The UCLA Bruins haven't beat the Utah Utes since 2015, but could that finally change this year? We're talking about it on today's Locked on Utes. You are Locked on Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Utes and Locked On UCLA your first listen every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by Upside. Download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCK to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. My name is JT Wistersill, host of Locked On Utes. Excited to be joined for this Locked On crossover by Locked On UCLA host Zachary Anderson, Anderson Yoxheimer. And Zach, this is a fun game because in the past... Look, UCLA has just struggled to beat the Utes. And I think this year, this is a UCLA team that can legitimately beat this Utah team. This is certainly a good matchup for UCLA to, again, prove their worth even more. But again, this is for the Utes also a game where they can continue to say, hey, week one was just a fluke. They're Mm -hmm. still looking to wreak havoc throughout the rest of the Pac-12. So both teams are looking to prove that they can be dominant. One already with the attention, the other one just jumping on the national scene. So an exciting matchup for both sides. Yeah, top 20 matchup, one of the few of the week, makes this one a lot of fun. Big implications for Utah as well. I mean, if Utah wins, and then as well as if USC was able to take care of business, there's a chance they could get game day the following week. So lots of things going on that make this one interesting. And obviously UCLA, look, let's talk about it. They haven't beaten this Utah team in since 2015. And do you know who the two quarterbacks were that year? In 2015, it was uh, Josh Rosen, yep. and then I forget who the Utah quarterback was, but because the, the end of the Josh Rosen years were yeah. quite forgettable. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and for Utah, it was Travis Wilson. So it's been a long time, and over those, so it's been six years, and over that time, it, the margin of victory for Utah, if you combine the five games in which Utah's won, is 135 in total, and it's an average of 27 points. <laughs> per game in terms of average margin of victory in those contests as well. But, you know, last year's was a little different because DTR didn't play in it, but the year DTR did play in it in 2019, things got out of hand really quickly. That one was a 49 to three game. So as we mentioned, it's been a while, but this UCLA team is coming in with some swagger. I feel like as well, DTR is playing some of his best football too. And yeah, I really feel like we could be in for a really good game of this one. And I don't think it's going to be one of these blots. I think it'll be much more like the 2016 game in which that one was a seven-point Utah victory. Like, I feel like it's going to be a very close game and one that is not going to be over by the time the fourth quarter rolls around, which the last couple games for Utah have been. They've blown out Oregon State. They've blown out their other opponents. Obviously, they lost to Florida the first week, but since then, they've really run over everyone, and that's where I'm really excited to see the Utes take this jump in competition once again and play a team and who has the arguably look Anthony Richardson was phenomenal against the Utes in week one I, with DTR is playing better than Anthony Richard is by a lot right now obviously and I think this is just going to be a fun game because of those factors it'll be a fun game and uh I'll ask you a question you, you remember that 2016 game you said it was a seven point game who was the quarterback for UCLA and it was not Josh Rosen even though the Bruins put up a lot of points you remember wasn't it that old Michigan quarterback, Spates, or something like that? Nope. That was uh, he was in 2018. I was trying to pull it up right here. Okay. It was uh, Mike Fayoful. 
oh. threw for 464 yards, five touchdowns, and also threw for four interceptions wow. in the same game. So that was a nutty game. So it's been a while since UCLA's had a not a terrible offensive performance as well. For DTR, you mentioned that game back in 19 where things went completely wrong. That's when he, when he was uh, in his second year at UCLA. And within DTR's first two years, he was a turnover machine. He had, I think, 16 interceptions in his first 21 career games. So while you can argue and say this is a different DTR, still turnovers are possibly part of his game, but he's electric, older, a veteran presence, and a guy that is, I think, through that Washington game, completing close to 70% of his passes. So this is an important game for DTR to prove, hey, he can be a legendary UCLA quarterback and beat a team that UCLA has had trouble with. I know I've seen UCLA fans talk about how this is kind of reminiscent of a Stanford-like team that Chip Kelly would have struggles with out back when he was in Oregon. And this is UCLA's version, Utah in the Pac-12 South, who has been the team to beat for the most part in recent years as far as UCLA is kind of that team they just can't get past. So, I, you know, it just, it'll be an interesting matchup. I think the biggest telling thing was who can be the most physical team? Can the Bruins match the physicality of Utah? If they can't, then they're just going to get smoked. If they can, then this game can be really exciting and be a close game, maybe up in the 30s of a high-scoring variety. Yeah, and you mentioned DTR as well. Going back to that performance in 2019, the last time Utah fans saw him, he did. He just turnover struggles you talked about. He turned the ball over four times in that game. He was 20 for 36, 219 yards. And so obviously a very tough performance, very tough outing in Salt Lake. But now the game's in Pasadena, and as well as DTR is coming off a game in which he was just lights out. I mean, 315 yards, three touchdowns, electric on the ground as well, as he always is. And yeah, I, I just think this is a different DTR who's coming in with confidence as well. And I'm excited to see how this Utah defense goes about trying to contain a guy who's also a very different runner than Anthony Richardson, I'll say as well. Anthony Richardson is really good at what I feel like is when guys get hands on him breaking out of those tackles because he's so strong Anthony Richardson cannot hurdle people like DTR can and he definitely can't even though he can do stop stop and cut on he can't stop and cut on a dime in which two guys collide into each other as well so this is the most dynamic quarterback Utah has played basically all season yeah, Richard Anthony Richardson, I would say, is a very you know kind of sneaky quarterback. He can he's a little he's a guy that can kind of get out of traffic. DTR is kind of like a a skill position player playing at quarterback. If you remember his story coming to Bishop Gorman, I think it was on the QB one show. I forget, but um, yeah, DTR, who was a guy who was not exactly a quarterback going through his high school days, transitioned to becoming a quarterback late in high school, came to UCLA as a guy still figuring out how to play quarterback. So he's got these natural instincts and these natural moves where he can leap over a guy, make two guys look dumb. I know you're going to mention what the, the little move where two guys collide looks like yeah. Lamar Jackson, right? Yes. Although almost even better at the goal line. Mm -hmm. And he, he when he runs, he's deciding to run. It's not exactly kind of like, all right, last minute run. It's a guy who can run. And it helps when you have a guy like Zach Charbonnet, who is all the focus, right? But then DTR can just kind of leak out when there's such a dominant back already in the backfield. But hey, Cam Rising too, he can certainly leak out himself and get some extra yards on the ground as well. Very true. Yeah, Cam, and coming off a game in which he was Utah's leading rusher, Cam was very strong runs against the Beavers on multiple occasions. We're going to dive into some of the other storylines in a second. But first, I just want to talk with you a little bit more about this UCLA team. You know, not a challenging non-conference schedule, obviously. First game of the pack <laughs> open up against Colorado. But I think it was still so impressive to see. That's a really good Washington team we know come in and UCLA that's a huge jump in competition from everyone else they played and the Bruins just stepped right up to the plate and really took control of that game and then yes obviously Washington stormed back late but that was UCLA's game 
yeah, it did help that Washington did drop the football in the end zone on their second offensive possession. Even though UCLA went down on their first offensive possession, got stopped on fourth and goal, you, you just saw as soon as things flipped, momentum flipped, UCLA dominated. Despite the 40-32 to 32 scoreline, UCLA was up 24 points going into the fourth quarter. If UCLA gets a first down at a certain part of the game of the fourth quarter, we could talk about even more points in the AP polls, right? For UCLA, a two-touchdown win as opposed to them having to hold off the, the, the very tough Washington offense. But for the most part, they dominated. It wasn't maybe the craziest of dominations, but maybe more than what people were giving them credit for. You could always say maybe Washington was a bit overrated. UCLA was a bit underrated. But Washington's good. UCLA is good, and UCLA was the better team. And let's not forget, that was Washington's first road game of the year. Speaking mm-hmm. of their tough, quote-unquote, non-conference, they had big names, but you could argue UCLA had the toughest non-conference opponent in South Alabama. That's yeah. controversial, yes, but that was a very it's tough game. Yeah, you were saying. And UCLA's been dominating teams in the second half, and again, for the most part, they did that. And, well, you know, I guess Colorado's not the easiest. It's the easiest team to beat in the Pac-12 so far, but at this moment now, this is the next test. And arguably, this will be big, Chip Kelly's biggest game as head coach of UCLA. Could be surpassed in two weeks, but it is the case right now. Yeah, and it's one of the things that makes this one so much fun. And we're going to continue to break it down in just a second. But first, want to tell you guys about Upside. From cringing at the pump to getting an eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant, inflation is hitting us all where it hurts. And it really hurts. That's why I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With every purchase, I'm earning cash back thanks to Upside. Guys, Upside is super easy to download and set up and can start earning cash back right away. Just to get started, download the free Upside app. Use my promo code LOCKED and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week. That's probably why they have a 4.8 star rating for their app on the App Store. Download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED. That's LOCKED with L capitalized, everything else lowercase, to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED. So make sure you guys head over to your App Store and download Upside. Now, jumping back into this game, just some of the other stories, especially ones that play out on the field. You know, there's so many fun things as in the just the, his, the past few years, how this rivalry's panned out. You just talked about this a huge game for UCLA. This is also a huge game for you. Every game, in a way, is a huge game for Utah because the goals at the start of this season, you heard some of the players talk about it. their goal. I've heard multiple players say, like, win a national championship. That was not something the team was definitely running around saying, but, like, it makes sense, right? When you're a team that has a chance to win a conference, you can put yourself in that position to do that. So it makes sense if you're inside that locker room that that would be your goal, right, to do that. Are they going to beat Alabama? No, but it makes sense that you would want to have that goal, right? Is to get to that point and get to a new place you haven't been to before. And in order to do that, you have to win every single game going forward because you lost the first one to Florida. So it's also a monumental game for the Utes. Their toughest test since that Florida game against a team that is definitely better than Florida, I'll say as well. Just won't be the same, some of the same factors, obviously, in terms of crowd advantage and some of those things that kind of played out versus Florida. We already know Cam Rising is going to have a bunch of family coming down for the game as well as some other things. But focusing on some of the matchups we talked about dtr a little bit but i'm really interested to see how dtr and these bruin receivers as well battled this utah secondary i think this is a utah secondary look clark phillips leads all of the 
FBS, I believe it is, or at least Power 5 in interceptions now with four after his three-interception game versus Oregon State. JT Broughton's been doing really good. Zamaya Vaughn has been making a ton of plays. Cole Bishop has been doing a great job playing inside the box and covering on the back end. And R.J. Hubert just added another interception as well. He's been having an outstanding year at free safety. But this is a Bruins receiver group that's also been doing a really good job if you're looking at what they've put together so far. I mean, just against Washington, you get Bobo going for 142 on just six catches on that as well. Obviously, we know Charbonnet can catch passes out of the backfield as well, but Brown, I mean, there's a ton of guys for this Bruins team, and they had a lot of success versus the Washington secondary. That's still a good secondary, so I I feel like the Utes are going to be able to still make some plays, but this is definitely going to be a game where, look, Utah, in terms of their pass defense, has been holding teams in check, right? On the season, they've allowed 155 passing yards. I have no doubt that DTR in this offense is going to exceed that as well. The question will be how many of those big third downs can they complete? How many of those long balls are they going to have? And I think it's going to be really fun to see it play out. I feel like the Ute secondary will still at the end of the day win that matchup, but I won't be surprised at all if DTR in this group do because they're playing really good football right now. They're playing really good football. I think the Utah secondary will be helped out by the, you know, the defensive line, the front seven itself. If they put UCLA behind the chains, put them And not just one third and long, but consistently third and long. And you force DTR to throw the football. You know, he doesn't have the most arc on his passes. And when you have a ball hawk-like secondary, well, that can lead itself to a lot of success in turning over a UCLA quarterback who, in his history, has turned it over. He's been excellent. Only one interception this season. And that was week one against Bowling Green in the second offensive possession of the season. Since then, he's been just great. And the tough thing, Jake Bobo finally had a true coming out party as a Bruin last week against Washington. And he hadn't really done a lot to really look effective. Not that he wasn't, but it wasn't that, oh, Jake Bobo, Jake Bobo, all this name. Well, when it came that he needed to play, he came to play. And he isn't going to burn you with speed. He's almost like a, a tight end receiver, right? He has that type of speed, physical route cutting. And the thing I noticed, UCLA hit nine different receivers, even though Jake Bobo got a lot of those yards, six catches, though. You mentioned only six, kind of like what was uh, Charbonnet's running total with 100 yards against Colorado a couple weeks ago. Nine receivers is the thing that could kind of get the Utah defense kind of guessing. You have nine receivers and a lethal threat in Kaz Allen, who has not been utilized for UCLA, a very speedy, shifty receiver former running back that would normally be utilized a bit more in a Chip Kelly offense when he was back in Oregon. But that like there's just so many weapons UCLA has. Nobody that can truly beat you down the field vertically other than maybe Casimir Allen himself. But it is interesting UCLA, wide receiver-wise, has a lot of options DTR's thrown to. But the thing is, I don't think the Utah secondary has to worry about someone going truly vertical unless they just lose completely Jake Bobo in, the, in deep down the field. Yeah, it'll be a fun match to watch. And you talked about the front seven. Look, as the case with most quarterbacks, if there's pressure in DTR's face, the likelihood of those interceptions increases. The Utah defensive line that against a really good Beavers offensive line a lot as well. They returned five starters that group. They struggled to create that pressure a little bit as well. So this is going to be interesting to see whether it's if they do decide to blitz a little bit, which is something that worked really well for them against Arizona State. If they're able to confuse that UCLA front, who the last two games they've played UCLA, the defense they've combined for seven sacks in those two games the Utes did. So it's going to be interesting to see if they're able to get back there and create some of that havoc. So what do you feel like the state is of this offensive line? And if it is third and long, are they going to be able to hold up and protect against a Utah team that has some young and inexperienced pass rushers, but a couple guys, well, you look at Gabe Reed, Van Fillinger, Junior Tafuna, guys who can still get it done and make some plays. Washington came in with 15 sacks in three games before they headed to the Rose Bowl, and they could only knock down DTR once. They only got one sack on him. And I thought Washington would at least get three sacks 
on an O-line that I wasn't necessarily confident about, but it was a chance for them to stand out. And the offensive line and the defensive line both kind of stood out for the Bruins. In They, they needed to either, one, hold up DTR or slow down the Washington offense. And the defense did their job to slow him down. And for UCLA's offensive line, well, obviously they ran the ball. DTR looked good running in those couple of options. Charbonnet got a lot of carries and was looking spectacular on some big moves. But then there's a fourth and one, right? Where I know you're kind of looking more at the pass rush. But Charbonnet was fourth and one, second quarter, late in the first half, and they couldn't get it. So it's tough to see. They can't always get those fourth and shorts, despite how great Charbonnet looks. Or, the, you know, sometimes it's going to be DTR's athleticism that bails out the offensive line. But for the most part, they've held up. But I would, if, if you're a Ute fan, I would not be afraid of, try, of DTR being sacked. He will be sacked a couple of times, but he's truly athletic. It's more his athleticism maybe saving this offensive line than anything. They're a bit banged up on the O-line too, but UCLA, for the most part, has done their job. And when they do their job, they put up points. That's, they haven't put less than, what, 32 up this season? So I, I don't know what a poor offensive performance looks like. It was 32 points. So we'll find out what that looks like against what could be a very stout Utah defensive front if they get some pressure. Talked about the offensive line, talked about DTR and the passing game through the air. I think another really interesting aspect of this is, of course, Zach Charbonnet. I mean, he is incredible. And I think when you factor in him and DTR as well, in terms of I've, uh, this is a team that likes to run the read option, it makes sense when you have two guys who are so dynamic with the ball in their hands. Week one, Utah really struggled with that against Anthony Richardson. Their young defensive end really struggled to read those plays. And against Emory Jones against Arizona State, they started to make some more of those plays. But this is another level when you have two of, honestly, two of the 10 best runners of the football in the Pac-12 on one team, I'll say as well, DTR is a phenomenal quarterback. But then you're talking about just guys as well as like when they have the ball in their hands to take off. DTR is still one of the top guys you don't want to see because he is so shifty and can make those kind of plays in open field that make you just go, wow. And I think it's going to be really fun to see if this Utah front seven can stop the run. And most importantly, those defensive ends when put in that position, they are able to track down DTR. They are able to get Charbonnet as well. Charbonnet is coming off a very strong game as well. He just didn't have the necessarily the highlight plays that DTR did that blew up the internet, the hurdle over two, basically would have been two dudes on top of each other and then making two dudes smack into each other as well. But this is a really good rushing attack as well. And this is a Utah front seven that against the Beavers was gashed against the run. It was just the red zone defense for Utah that stood up, right? Five red zone stops for the Utes. In total, it was, I think, nine points in those five red zone trips. But obviously the goal of that is to get in the end zone and Beavers weren't able to do that. So I'm really excited to see how this Utah front seven is able to battle against UCLA. And I think this is going to be one, honestly, where I do feel like the Bruins are actually going to win that matchup. And I think they're going to be able to run the ball consistently. UCLA comes in running over 200 yards per game. DTR, aver- excuse me, Zach Charbonnet averages about 100 yards per game on about 16 carries per game. Well, There's yeah, one game. Carry the last yeah, game. Yeah, he was he was doing good. And, and that was the first time since week one he had over 20 carries in a game. They'd really been lowering expectations. And remember, he shockingly just did not play in one game despite being suited up. And that's in four games worth. He has 400 yards. That's with him missing the Alabama State game. And you mentioned the red zone. This is a telling statistic. This game will be won in the red zone. Whoever wins efficiency-wise in the red zone is what's going to win this game. I know we were talking before this, uh, JT, and you mentioned how you talked about how Utah technically rolled, but it was much closer. It's like, it's kind of like how, it's like the UCLA and Utah games were almost similar. It's just UCLA let Washington back in the game, and Utah pushed forward where UCLA could have had their score look if they didn't let Washington back in the game. Mm-hmm. Or if, say, Utah allowed a couple more red zone scores, yeah. then it could have been a little closer, but Utah was in control. That's It's kind of like UCLA and Utah, not exactly the same game they played against Oregon State or Washington, but you could argue 
they went opposite directions, one blowing the other team away, UCLA taking their foot off the gas, but eventually icing it away. But back to the red zone point, this is going to be one in the red zone. Mm-hmm. If Utah can churn the clock, UCLA on their last 11 red zone defensive trips, the last time 11 times teams have gotten in the red zone, nine touchdowns have been scored against UCLA's defense. So if Utah winds the clock down, gets in the red zone, the Bruins so far have not been able to stop teams. In the red zone, where the UCLA has been frequently this year, their last 18 red zone trips, UCLA's only scored 11 touchdowns. Hmm. Not not the best efficiency-wise, but if Utah continues that dominance like they had against Oregon State, and at some point, the flashiness of the big plays, you can kind of hunker down, and there's nowhere to go when there's only 20 yards, 15 yards to get. 100%. So if you're going to hold UCLA to field goals, even if they move it 80 yards and get to the five, well, UCLA hasn't always proven that when they get first and goal from the five, that they can run the ball in. That's where Utah could use their physicality and dominate this matchup, despite Charbonnet looking good in the open field. Well, in the end, who's going to punch it in the most times for six points, seven points? It sounds simple, but in reality, the efficiency and its simplicity of terms, who's going to get down in inside the 20, not moving it from 20 to 20, but inside the 20 defensively and offensively will make the difference. And Utah has a big upper hand in that so far, being so good at turning other teams over and for the most part being a little more efficient than UCLA has proven so far this year. That's such a great point. And I think for Utah, one of the reasons their red zone defense was able to step up, as you mentioned, is literally because of that 20 yards of the shortened field, because it allows guys like Cole Bishop to play in the box more. You're able to stop the run because you just have more bodies there as well. I think some of the linebackers as well can afford to overplay a little bit because there's not as much room on the field as you talked about. And on the back end, you don't have, you only really have one safety back there. It's hard to have multiple guys like that. So it is going to be interesting. It makes sense why a UCLA team, as you mentioned, that has success rushing the ball so much, it's a couple times stalled in the red zone. And Utah is a team that stalled in the red zone a little bit as well. During Florida in the first week, you had two plays on the one yard line that you weren't able to get in then you look at versus arizona state there were some late game situations as well where they couldn't quite punch it now against oregon state last week they were very effective but it hasn't been a consistent thing all season so how are they going to do versus the bruins it's going to be fun to see and look we you mentioned the red zone as well i, I think it's a good transition to kind of the offensive matchup for the Utes versus the bruins defense is this is a utah offense that really wants to get back to running the ball and have success running the ball frequently and they can turn to their running game a lot and it was uh, it's been tough sledding the last couple of weeks whether that's the offensive line failing to reach the second level which is something that coach whittingham has called the group on pretty much out right after the game as well as you look at tavion thomas has been dealing with some things his aunt passed away as well so which coach Witt said he expects Tavion to be in here and kind of get back to his normal workload he only got six carries in last week's game so I expect that to go up especially because I mean Tavion's one of his best games of the season last year came against the Bruins in that one he had 24 carries for 160 yards and four touchdowns in that one so I'm not expecting that against UCLA but I am expecting him to get back on track and be able to run the ball a little bit on this Bruins team. And I know you guys have only given up 80 yards rushing on the season, but it's also one of those things where you look at the comp- level of competition as well. And this is clearly the best rushing attack you'll have played. I think you factor that in with the offensive line of the Utes being motivated to go out there, Tavion being motivated out there. And I expect this Utah team to be able to have that success rushing the ball, even inside the red zone. Against South Alabama for UCLA, that was the only game they got outrushed. South mm-hmm. Alabama actually was able to get over 150 yards. Every other team hasn't sniffed 80 for the most part. So it's kind of a, a you know Jekyll and Hyde. What is it for UCLA, right? Are they the physical team that's going to stop a Utah team? That Well, let, let's look at it. Utah fans, UCLA fans, look at my eyes right now. <laughs> Utah says they're running the ball bad, but they're still getting like, what, 150 yards a game on the ground, yes. right? 
it's still a very it's not a horrible number. I, I've seen what terrible rushing numbers on the ground in college football look like. It's actually Utah wants rushing yards, which seems crazy just because you look at those game situations where they don't get it. But you're right. It's, it's definitely one of those nitpicky things. Yeah, that it, it's about. very Utah can still run the football. Believe it, Utes fans, UCLA fans, be ready. They can still run it down UCLA's throats. Will it be 300 yards like no tomorrow like last year? UCLA fans hope not. Utah fans should not expect that, but mm-hmm. they can expect to have some success. The Jaguars of South Alabama proved it. But the thing was, they were throwing little little screen passes to the right and almost countering with the run. With UCLA expecting the run, I'm not sure. And again, UCLA has switched defensive coordinators from one year to the next, and they look to be a little bit more coached up defensively. They have a little bit better numbers against the run. And what's going to get the Bruins possibly is Cam rising on some sort of play-action read option pass and finding someone streaking down the field. It's maybe not so much how successful the run is, but it's how successful the run is setting up the pass for the Utes and rising, having some easy throws that could burn some UCLA secondary. Yeah. And you mentioned when this Utah team runs the ball, that gets that play action game going. And that is where Cam Rising is at his best. And look, they obviously the loss of Brant Keithy extremely hurts, but you're getting Devon Vele starting to emerge as well. You see Dalton Kincaid, obviously a big part of this offense continues to be as well. Jalen Dixon coming off a big game for Utah, which he got, I believe he caught one pass and he rushed once and he scored touchdowns on both of those. So you're getting some guys who are starting to step up. Solomon Enos, a guy we expect to be back and healthy as well in this one. So it's going to be fun to see how Utah does through the air against a Bruins secondary that look, Michael Penix has put up some big numbers against a lot of teams. So I'm not necessarily freaking out that he threw for 345 yards and four touchdowns. He's, he's done that already on the season. And, but I do think Cam is capable of, I'm not, he's not going to throw for 345 yards. That's just not Utah's offense, but I do, I could see Cam having four touchdowns, even if they're, let's say three of them are through the air. One's on the ground as well. But I, the nice thing about Cam as well is that interception against Florida was an aberration. If you look at his career, he just doesn't turn the ball over that way. So I do expect him to be smart for safe with the ball and not put Utah in some of those bad positions. If anything more so, I worry about fumbles because that's something that's just been an issue that pops up every once in a while for the running backs. But Cam's done a really good job of taking care of the ball. And I think guys like Devon Vele, Dalton are going to be able to win on the outside. And Utah will be able to have a a lot of successful drives on offense with a well-balanced attack. I think Jalen Dixon would have a good game against UCLA. I think he he can find a way to exploit some things UCLA can't cover. But again, it it is tough to see a top tight end for Utah go down. I think Kuthi, right? And then <laughs> yeah, and then you have um, the likes of Kincaid. Who it, it's nice when you have two elite tight ends. Mm-hmm. UCLA used to have that elite tight end, and now yeah. they have two guys who have done filled in nicely, but they don't have that same Greg Dolchich effect. Utah they lose one, but they still have a very solid tight end. So it's going to be interesting. I, I I agree with you. Cam Rising can certainly. Move the ball. They will move the ball. This is a bit of a bend, don't break UCLA defense. And the the game, if Utah can get to the 20, it seems like they have so many ways UCLA that UCLA can't cover. They can go, you know, a rising run. They can hand it off. They can RPO. There's just so many ways UCLA can get beat to in the 20. It's if they get stuck behind the chains is where UCLA could be successful in playing the pass, even though they've given up their fair share of third and longs. Yeah, they have, as you mentioned, and, yeah, Zach, we've broken it down from both ways now. So time now it's time to basically predict how it's going to shake out. Look, I'm going to go with 
the hat I'm wearing and everything that's up in the background. I am going to roll with the Utes in this one. They've been the dominant force in this game, in this series going forward. And I still, this Utah team is still ranked higher for a reason. I feel like they are. And they still have a chip on their shoulder because of that loss to Florida. This is not a Utah team that's kind of feeling themselves. They're still very much motivated. And I don't even think USC is on their mind right now. I think all their attention is on UCLA. I think they totally understand the challenge they're in for as well. And I think they're excited for another opportunity to go out in a nationally televised game on Fox at, I believe, one thirty. that is going to be fun. So I expect the use to have that balanced rushing attack. I think defensively, they'll make just one or two more plays, and that's going to be the difference. I think whether it's DTR or a fumble or something, they will turn the Bruins over once in this one, and that ends up being the key difference in a Utah victory in which I'm going to go with Utah 36, UCLA 24. I think it'll be a bit closer, and this is interesting, right? UCLA, the whole talk, the whole season was it's such an easy schedule that even though that Washington game was a lot tougher than expected in the preseason, Kalen DeBoer did a lot for those Huskies. It made it a lot tougher. When I did the preseason outlook, it was kind of like, all right, you look at this, you look at that game. South Alabama was a bit of a scare. Washington was a bit closer than people would have expected coming into that game. But for UCLA, this is the one that, all right, this week and then in two weeks after the bye, Oregon is where uh, I'm, not, I'm not so sure about UCLA. This, this is interesting. And you know, UCLA needs to win one of these next two games that they want to play in the Pac-12 title. You yep. can knock down Utah. Utah still got a very tough schedule coming up, right? Out, you know, they got SC, I believe. What Wazoo still? Yep. They still, they still got some tough games. Utah needs to win this game. Yep. UCLA still has two more tough games after this, but a little bit easier than the Utes. And head-to-head matchups going to be crucial in the divisionless Pac-12 title game. Mm-hmm. And this long-winded answer is what I'm going to just kind of brace Bruin fans. I'm going to predict Utah wins this game. It's the first time I've had to pick against UCLA, but I think both fan bases should know UCLA is fairly capable of winning this game. 100%. And they can win this game. This is this is by no means, you know, we, we see Dorian Thompson-Robinson calling out all media and all this stuff. They don't need to call us out, call me out, but coming in, Utah is the, the better team. They got, you know, things that can happen. I think 38-35 Utah. Like we're going to we're going to go crazy with that number there. And I think both teams can score or it could be one of those where UCLA backdoor cover, right? We've mm-hmm. seen that in this type of game before. And you know, Bruin fans might be disappointed, Utah fans will be excited, but this is a game UCLA can absolutely win. Utah just has the upper hand going in. They do, and it's going to be a lot of fun because, as you mentioned, this is not like the games of the past. This is a UCLA team that's going to be locked in, ready to go. It's going to be a Utah team that is excited to return to Pasadena because as much as the Utah fans talk about what a win that was just to be in the Rose Bowl and keep it close to the Ohio State, because they didn't win, Utah, Cam Rising and the Utes were absolutely still mad about that. So a fun matchup. It all goes down 130 on Saturday. So appreciate all of you for making Locked On Utes and Locked On UCLA your first listen every day. But if you're in the market for a second listen every day, make sure you guys head over, check out the Locked On Pac-12 podcast where host Spencer McLaughlin, other local experts, including us sometimes, will go through and take you around the conference in under 30 minutes. Lots of fun game previews and matchups coming up this week. Zach, it was a lot of fun doing this, jumping on with you as well. And it's going to be a fun game Saturday. Yeah, can't wait. Thanks for having me on, JT. And, uh, you know, it'll be a fun one. Both teams can win. Uh, It's just uh, Utah has the upper hand. We can't wait, though. It's the biggest game of the Pac-12, arguably the biggest game of the weekend. And certainly can't wait what happens. It's going to be fun, and it all goes down then. Thank you guys for listening to Locked On Utes and this Locked On UCLA crossover.